Today's scripture reading is a selection of six Proverbs from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 15, 17. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Proverbs 19, 22. What a person desires is unfailing love. Better to be poor than a liar. Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is one's glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 23.17, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Proverbs 14.23 All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. These are the words of the Lord. Thank you for the encouraging words, Joseph. And thank you, everyone, for allowing me to um, open scripture with you this morning again. You might be asking yourselves why we are reading selections of the book of Proverbs instead of a continuous uh, passage from this book. And the answer to that is tomorrow, if you, con if you connect, if you come to the workshop uh, on wisdom literature, I'll explain why we may feel free to use, in some cases, a selection of Proverbs rather than a stretch, a continuous stretch of verses. Um, I want to start today by sharing a story that I, uh, I witnessed. Many years ago, after the difficult end of a romantic relationship, a young man was sharing his frustrations with an older friend. And the young man said, I wonder why I always end up with the same kind of girl. The older friend looked at him and said, it's not them. It's you. The pattern is not in them. It's in you, my friend. So the young man had a lot to ponder. He was uh, lacking self-awareness. But we shouldn't be too hard on him, I don't think. Most of us lack self-awareness at different things. That's why I wanted to begin this sermon by paying attention to the challenge that we hear in this book of Proverbs, to check the desires of our heart against the will of God. What we desire matters. It matters because it sets us in the right or the wrong direction. Also, most of us are easily distracted. So in the second part of the sermon, we're going to see that in spite of uh, us setting on the right direction, sometimes obstacles or distractions come along and derail us. In the last part of the sermon, we're going to see how God remains faithful, guiding us day by day in the ordinary spaces of life. 
So this sermon is a, uh, the second in a series on wisdom. As I mentioned last week, there are two key principles that we must consider when we read wisdom literature in the Bible. The first principle is that discipleship is not about head knowledge, or not only about head knowledge. Discipleship is about the practical working out of our faith in all areas of life. How do we handle money? How do we cultivate healthy relationships? What's our work ethic like? What are, what are our eating habits like? That's what discipleship is about. That's what wisdom is about. The second uh, point we must consider is that wise people in ancient Israel engaged and participated in an open and multicultural conversation with the objective of discerning God's wisdom in other cultures. Wisdom can serve as a bridge between us and society, between us, between the church and culture. So as a way to ground what we are learning about wisdom in our daily lives, each sermon in this series follows uh, the different steps of uh, how we go about eating together. So last Sunday, we uh, looked at, um, uh, at what wisdom is and how to get it, the ingredients of a good life. Uh, today, we're going to talk about cooking. The third week of the series, we'll talk about setting the table. The fourth week, about giving thanks. The fifth week, about eating together. And the sixth uh, week, we'll talk about cleaning up. Last week... I shared with you that according to the book of Proverbs, there are three ingredients that uh, give life a good flavor. The first ingredient is uh, steadfast love and faithfulness. The second ingredient is trust in the Lord and humbleness, not to be wise in our own eyes. The third ingredient is honoring God with your resources. Today I want to share some thoughts about how we can marinate our day-to-day -day lives with the ingredients of uh, steadfast love and trust in the Lord. So, let's begin with the first two Proverbs in today's reflection. Better a small serving of vegetable with love than a fattened calf with hatred. And what a person desires is unfailing love or steadfast love. Remember that expression, steadfast love. Better to be poor than a liar. I remember when I was learning how to drive. Um, my instructor told me that in order to steer the car in the right direction, you don't look at the steering wheel, right? And you don't look immediately what is in front of the car. You have to set your eyes on the direction that you're going and the hands will steer the wheel on that direction. So the, the hands follow the eyes, right? The direction has to be set correctly. Because I was making that mistake of looking right in front, right? I didn't want to you know, run over anything, so I was looking right ahead. But uh, that was a mistake. You need to set the direction first. Um, direction is so, so very important. One of the most common spaces where we have to ask ourselves what 
we want or what direction we're going is the workplace, right? Um, in modern times, work and vocation became intertwined, became really close together, work and vocation, um, in a way that it wasn't possible before. In previous times, your work opportunities were restricted uh, by your family background or your social status. So more often than not, you inherited traits. So uh, from the previous generation, right? So if your parents uh, worked the land, you worked the land. If your uh, parents were cobblers, you were a cobbler. Something like that, right? So that's how it used to work for most people. By contrast, in the modern world, more and more people uh, have the possibility to choose their profession and get training for that profession that they chose. So we associated this act of choosing with vocational discernment. Uh, sometimes for good reasons, and maybe sometimes they should have remained a little bit more separated. More recently, younger generations are experiencing the workplace in a much more unstable, um, in a much more unstable way. At least in North America, people are changing careers more often than in the past. In other parts of the world, job stability was never really a big thing. It was never really a big part of, of life. So this is somewhat new to this generation of uh, North Americans, right? The, the fact that you, don't, you won't stay in your workplace for very many years. Like people change jobs a lot more often nowadays. All this highlights the importance of setting the desire of the heart on something deeper or stronger than career decisions. Something deeper than, than uh, what the modern world has taught us to think about vocation. Of course, career decisions matter. They do matter, especially uh, if, for instance, you're uh, looking, if you have to provide for a family, it, it really matters a lot, right? Like how you're going to provide for them. Uh, but the deeper and stronger guide for our life cannot be limited to good career decisions. So we come back to something deeper and stronger. What is this deeper and stronger thing that can guide our, our vocational discernment, the direction of our lives? And I want to remind you the word that we looked at last week. Chesed, remember? Steadfast love, unfailing love, how it's translated in this verb. Now, there's two ways to translate Proverbs 15, 17. The first way is what a person desires is unfailing love. The other way to translate is what is desirable in a person is unfailing love. So either way, however you translate, however you translate it, um, the, the important thing is that this characteristic of unfailing love is something that we have to grow in our lives. It's part of wisdom. It's part of discipleship. He said this unfaith, uh, unfailing love is contrasted with deceit. Okay? Better to be poor than a liar. Because, because of our sin... We often take for granted those people that show chesed to us, that show 
uh, this steadfast love. We, you no, know, you would think that you no, know, you appreciate those persons uh, all the more, but sometimes we do take them for granted, uh, and this is because of our sin. Um, and I don't want to mean, uh, and I don't want to make a comment with this, but um, talking about uh, steadfast love, I was just really touched by. Uh, uh, by how the congregation acknowledged uh, Justin's 10 years of service. Um, thank you, Justin, and thank you for the congregation, uh, to the congregation for acknowledge, acknowledging that. Uh, it's those kind of uh, life examples that make life better for all of us. But we often end up seeking after fattened calf with hatred instead of simple veggies with love. Why do we do this? Uh, we do this in our personal relationships, in our professional relationships. We do that in our personal decisions. Um, we need someone to let us know when we are prone to do this. Thankfully, uh, Psalm 139 verse 23 teaches us uh, to pray this way. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Search me, O oh God. And why is it important to, uh, for God to know, to reveal our ang anxious thoughts? It is because sometimes we make decisions out of this anxiety, out of these anxious thoughts, instead of uh, <clears throat> making the decisions in life out of being grounded in God's has said. Um, so we need the Lord to examine us and to let us know when we are leaning on these anxious thoughts. But how can our hearts desire what is good for us? When we choose the fattened calf with hatred uh, again and again, life itself loses flavor. You would think that life would get more delicious, you know, if, uh, you know, the more fattened calf you get with hatred. But actually, it starts losing flavor. We begin to refuse to offer ourselves to others. We end up mostly taken and rarely given. By contrast, when God's has said, when God's unfailing love embraces us, we not only embrace him back, but we find fulfillment in belonging and in serving. So I have a question for you. What would your vocational and relational decisions look like if at the center of your life was God's unfailing love? How would your decision-making process change if you remember that at the center of your life is God's unfailing love for you? I don't mean this as a magic formula, right? To say, well, just remember that God is God's unfaithful love and faith and failing love is with you and then everything will be fine. I don't mean it as a magic formula, formula like that. Um, and precisely, it, this is why it's good to read wisdom literature. Because wisdom is hard work. 
as I told you last week, wisdom literature uh, that is mostly represented by the book of Proverbs, the book of Job, and Ecclesiastes, um, this literature represents an honest in inquiry about the meaning of life. It is different from other parts of the Bible, such as the prophets and the Torah, because it does not explicitly refer to things like the covenant uh, or the exodus, right? Wisdom literature, nevertheless, is a genuine part of God's revelation. It's a genuine expression of faith that is not satisfied with easy answers. So I'm not here to give you an easy formula, okay? More often than not, it is easier to, um, to trust in our own wisdom. And this is how we become fools, which is the opposite of being wise. Now, what is this business about trusting in our own wisdom? Does it have to do with self-confidence? Yes and no. Um, it's a tricky thing, this thing about uh, becoming um, or trusting in our own wisdom. Um, sometimes it's overt. I remember I used to have a, a couple of professors back in, back in the day that um, pretty much every class they used to talk about you know, how they went to the most expensive or most prestigious universities and that you know, they, you know, we had to admire for them for that. So that's, that's pretty obvious, right? Like that's like, okay, yeah, that, that's pretty arrogant. That's pretty foolish, right? Um, but unfortunately, um, this foolishness is often trickier than that. It's not as overt as that, right? Like someone just flashing their credentials all the time at you. Um, I want to choose two very, I chose two very different examples to illustrate that what is hard for one person might not be hard for the other person in terms of, of uh, how to be wise, okay? Uh, so some of us become foolish or trust in our own wisdom in a given way, and some others do it in a different way. And it's often easier to detect how the other person is becoming a fool than it is easier to detect it on how we are becoming fools, right? That's, that's the trickiness of wisdom and of discipleship. So there's two verses here, Proverbs 19.11 and Proverbs 23.17. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 23.17 says, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. It's not that I want us to focus on the sins of, uh, of uh, contempt and the sin of uh, envy themselves. I don't want to emphasize you know, about those sins. What I want us to focus on is on how these sins can lead us to a more damaging condition, which is trusting in our own wisdom. So when you have been offended... Uh, or when the other person is clearly at fault, it is easy for us to dig our heels and see ourselves as completely right and the other person as completely wrong. 
this is particularly hard for me. I sin this way. Um, this way of acting can damage relationships to the point of breaking them sometimes. This way of working, of thinking, right? Uh, so you know that the other person did wrong or is, or, is in, or is in the wrong. And it's somewhat clear or fairly clear. And then you just kind of just hammer that point. No end. Social media also, um, also works this way. Right, so it is. It, although it's a wonderful thing, it's also a, a very, a very de- potentially a dangerous thing, uh, social media, because people just wanna like completely uh, destroy or uh, demolish another people's argument, and often they present a caricature of what you no know, the other argument is all about or what the other person is, is all about. Social media also heightens envy. Right, because uh, you see how the people are doing, and you feel and and, and you feel bad about it, or uh, it does it in a different way. Uh, it makes us see ourselves as as victims and judge other people. Um, so do not let your heart envy sinners. Right, so you see people that are clearly sinning, or that are sinners, and nevertheless, they do well. So you feel something's wrong with this, right? And you're right, something is wrong with that. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But then, what does that do to you to only hold on to that position? It makes you wise in your own eyes, because you're not sinners like them, right? So you start judging them. You see how it's tricky, how it's a little bit more, more sophisticated than simply just flashing your, you know, your credentials and talking about how wonderful you are. Wisdom is hard work. Wisdom is hard work, like cooking. Deciding what to eat entails a negotiation among things that matter to you. Uh, identity, uh, convenience. You don't always have all the time in the world to cook you know, the best meal that you would like to. And uh, responsibility. You, know, you should be eating nutritious food, right? But if we don't educate ourselves or our children about good food, uh, we might spend, or they might spend their lives craving after the quick satisfaction that food, fast food offers. So it is hard work. But it's not all work, all the work at once. It's a daily thing. Sometimes uh, we, don't, we don't think of the daily, the ordinary, um, as a space where God is really active. Sometimes... We think that God's wisdom, God's glory is revealed uh, to us in the moment of worship, which of course it does happen. We're all very grateful for having a space to worship, for having a good, wonderful uh, music, for having thoughtful prayers, for having a good sermon. All those things do matter. But we are called to look at the, you know, at the Monday to Saturday 
what happens in these days? How is God reveal, revealing his wisdom? How is he revealing his glory during these days? How is God meeting us in the ordinary spaces like the kitchen, like the classroom, the workplace, or the playground? So it is hard work, but God is meeting us in the day to day. Proverbs 14:23. All hard work brings profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Proverbs 16:3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. One of the most incredible stories about wisdom that I've heard, wisdom and food actually, that I've ever heard, um, happened last year. Do you remember that story about uh, four children, that four indigenous Colombian children that survived 40 days in the jungle? Have you heard that story? So if you haven't heard, uh, basically these uh, these kids were flying on a, on a small plane with their mom uh, to see their dad. And they were uh, they live in an area where um, where the guerrilla and the army you know, um, fight. And sometimes they recruit children, right, to, for fighting. So they were like flying out of this, this region to visit the dad. And then the small airplane uh, fell. But then they survived, these four kids. Leslie, 13 year old, 13 year old, uh, Soleini, nine, uh, Tien, that was uh, five years old, and a one year old, baby Christine. They survived 40 days in the jungle while there were teams looking for them. How did they do it? Well, um, 13 year old Leslie, she knew the ways of the forest. In her culture, uh, People are taught early on about what plants sustain you, how you can filter water, uh, how to follow um, certain animals to collect certain food, and all those kind of things. And on top of that, they, so they had a baby. They had to feed a one-year-old baby. Can you imagine? In the jungle by yourself. You're 13 years old. So they, they had some cassava flour in the plane, so they took that. And as they walked, uh, they, uh, they, they fed the baby this, right? And um, one of the difficulties about this, uh, this rescue was that, um, remember that they are children who live in a conflict uh, area, right? So and they, they're often recruited by, uh, by the guerrillas or, or by the drug cartels. Uh, so they also wanted to remain hidden. They need to be found, but they also want to be hidden just in case, right? Until they know that they can trust the person. So that, make it, that made it really difficult for, for the rescuers to find them. But boy, that skill to live, to survive, to take care of others, knowing your surrounding, knowing uh, what and when you can, uh, we can uh, go and, and collect certain kinds of food, and survive for 40 days, that is wisdom. Okay, that is a particular kind of knowledge that um, many indigenous people uh, that are, are, have been able to, uh, to cultivate, to keep, 
And that's something that we should all treasure. So wisdom, as I was telling you, is not simply a, sort of like a head knowledge or just a, like a state of uh, holiness. It's this skill to live in the day-to-day. And sometimes the day-to-day is, is incredibly challenging, like these, uh, these kids had to face. And sometimes it's, um, it's not incredibly challenging that way, but never, nevertheless, it's hard. It might be monotonous. It might be uh, uh, stressful. And this day-to-day thing is what connects wisdom to, to eating, to cooking. I recently read a book that said, uh, <clears throat> in one chapter, it said, one real thing is closer to God than all the diagrams of the world. One real thing is closer to God than all the theology diagrams, than all the discipleship diagrams in the world. The way we eat food, uh, the way we prepare it, has, uh, especially the way we prepare food, has long been associated with uh, women's world, right? And thus has been uh, accorded less respect uh, than attention, than, than the other activities that males mostly focus on, right? So also, um, the, the, all the hard work that cooking takes um, has inspired us to try to get rid of it, try not to cook, right? Try to, like, yeah, the less time you spend doing that, the better. And there are good reasons for that. Like I said, we live busy lives. But I don't know if there is complete wisdom in it. So I want to draw a parallel for us between the way we think about cooking and the way we think about wisdom. It takes time. It might be monotonous. It takes some planning, but it takes the everyday. Um, But in this, we're not alone. God is meeting us. Even in this beautiful way, you probably remember that uh, the Apostle Paul refers to Jesus as the wisdom of God. Okay, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 30, uh, Paul tells us that, yeah, Jesus is the wisdom of God. And in Colossians, he says things about Jesus, right? Like deep theological things, right? things that we should all know that are core to our faith. Listen to this, what Paul says. His, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So this is the proper way to think about Christ, right? Our Lord. The New Testament presents Jesus in this way, magnificent, right? Deeply theological, 
But it also presents Jesus as the archetype of what real life looks like. At the same time, Jesus is the pre-existent Son of God, the beginning of all things, the, the, the beginning and the reason, the meaning of all things, and also he is the day-to-day person that is living with us. The Gospel of John combines these two beautifully. At the end of the book, at the end of the book of John, after Jesus' resurrection, the Gospel presents us, uh, Jesus this way. In John 21, verse 9 says, When the disciples had come ashore, this, they saw a charcoal fire ready with fish lying on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. You know who says, Come and have breakfast in my household? Most of the time, it's my wife, Susanna. Come and have breakfast. Now, I am guilty of this. I, I have fallen into this very neat and convenient separation for me of, of activities at home. But if, we are, if I am going to embrace wisdom, then I might want to follow Jesus. And every once in a while, or more than once in a while, say, Come and have breakfast. Now, this is not something that I'm doing. I don't want you to think highly of me. That's something that I want to do and that you should hold me accountable to. To show that he was truly resurrected, to show that he was truly alive, Jesus cooked breakfast. That's what discipleship, that's what wisdom looks like on the day today. Yes, he's a pre-existent one. Yes, all things were created for him, by him. And yet, yes, he says, come and have breakfast. If we forget these daily mundane actions of service, many bad things can happen on our quest to achieve great things. It is far too easy to transform discipleship into a brain issue. If discipleship were just about knowledge, all we would need is a library and a computer. Perhaps a cell phone nowadays, right? Instead, instead, discipleship in wisdom is done in the communion of the believers. Communion of the believers living out the confusing questions of vocation and experience. Discipleship is done in community, experience in a community meal, in the sharing of stories as we try to discern, as we try to discern and understand what vocation means for us today. But we are not alone in this. In the day-to-day, Jesus is with us. 
inviting us for breakfast, inviting us to not be wise in our own eyes, but to trust the Lord in every decision. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.